I'm Mike Sklenz, and this is Nintendo World Report's Connectivity Podcast, Episode 161, All Settle for Other Alex. Uh, we got two segments for you this week. First up, Alex C. and Alex O., along with Scott, talk about the games they've been playing recently. And then after that, we've got our special Christmas episode of our new Nintendo News Report YouTube show. Don't forget to send your favorite Smash Brothers music tracks to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com to be featured on an upcoming segment. Enjoy the episode. Hey everybody and welcome to a brand new segment of Nintendo World Report Connectivity. I'm your host Alexander Kalafi and joining me to talk about the games we've been playing this week, Scott Thompson. Hello. And Alex Osborne. Hey. Now you guys know how this segment works. We just talk about the games we've been playing this week. We got some surprises, some Nintendo, some non-Nintendo. And if you stick around to the end, we got some AAA Nintendo releases from this year. (laughs) And I think it's going to be a pretty darn good show. Scott, why don't you start us off? Alrighty, uh, so last week uh, I reviewed Stealth Inc. 2 uh, for IGN. Uh, the game has been out now on the Wii U eShop for probably about a month. I think it came out right at the end of October, so it's like a month and a half now. Um, but I just, just happened to get into it last week and was very impressed by how good it actually is. Uh, it's by Curve Studios, who've released, I think, a few things for the Wii U eShop, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and it's sort of like this, uh, kind of mixture of Portal and something like Splinter Cell. Um, it's a puzzle game with sort of this, uh, kind of a crude and twisted sense of humor, uh, kind of built around sneaking around this cloning facility and saw, you know, overcoming obstacles, hiding from sentry robots and all kinds of things. Um, but what really impressed me about the design of the game uh, is it, it kind of has this Metroidvania feel where there's this big overworld that you're exploring and off the bat, you can only go so many places, but as you gain new uh, gadgets, as they're called in this game, uh, you know, new areas open up to explore, <clears throat> which isn't necessarily anything new, but what's kind of cool that they do is you learn how to use these gadgets in test chambers. So before you actually get the gadget, um, so like the first one's called the inflatomate, uh, which you throw on the ground and then you press a button and it inflates, which uh, creates like a platform for you so you can jump up to higher spaces. Um, but before you actually get that and can use it in the overworld to explore, you have to go through a series of like six or seven test chambers um, where there's puzzles and you're using it to solve these puzzles. Um, and what's great about those test chambers is they sort of teach you all the different ways to use this device. So not only can it be used as a platform to reach higher spaces, eventually you learn like, oh, I can throw this in inflated midair and it will come crushing down on, say, an enemy robot and destroy it so I can get past it. Uh, or I could put it on the ground, leave it uninflated, and then when an enemy robot walks on top of it, I can inflate it push the platform, and then that enemy robot will eventually walk and, like, let's say, trip a a motion detector, which will open a door so I can get through, and different things like that. So once you get through all the test chambers, uh, then you get the gadget for good, and then you get to use it to explore the overworld, which is really cool, because then by the time you get it, you feel completely comfortable with how to use it, and, like, it's like the whole world is opened up to you now, in a way. Mm -hmm. Like, you, there's so much available now for you to explore, and, and, and there's not really any surprises with the gadgets. Like, you you feel like a badass with the gadgets. But what happens then is you'll hit, like, a new area, and you're exploring that area with the gadgets you've already mastered. Meanwhile, you're finding new test chambers where you can only use uh, the the new gadget that you don't have full access to yet. 
So you're you're mastering how to use that one gadget in the test chambers. Meanwhile, you're sort of u- learning how to combine the uh, variety of gadgets to solve bigger and grander puzzles, you know, throughout the overworld map. Um, so, you know, later on, you're kind of figuring out, like, okay, so I can use the Inflatimate to lift an enemy, uh, then I can hack that enemy to move it over here, uh, and then I can use the teleporter to teleport it here, or to move me over there, uh, so we can hit these two switches together, different things like that. So it just has this really cool, uh, like, smart progression um, where the puzzles keep getting more and more challenging, but I felt like you, I always felt sort of equipped uh, for how to like, for how to handle those, those situations, just because I was so like well-versed in the gadgets to that point. It was, I don't know, it was just, it was pretty neat. Um, the game's really funny. Uh, that, so that the idea is that you're this clone who's try, trying to escape this cloning facility <clears throat> while also uh, rescuing all the other clones there uh, who, Basically, you go through like tests, get killed, and then you get turned into hamburgers. That's like what the the, the fate of the clones is. <clears throat> um, and so you're trying to escape, but meanwhile, there's this one scientist who's sort of overwatching you. And if he can kill you, then he will become the employee of the month. He's like one kill away from being the employee of the month. So he is like viciously trying to to kill you. And so while you're playing, he will display messages to you on the on the walls in, on the background of the mm-hmm. levels. So are you are, are you sure you're talking about Stealth Inc. Two? Because I'm I've played the original Stealth Inc. later this earlier this year, excuse me, and this seems like an extremely assertive sequel. Because in the original <clears throat> Stealth Inc., I don't know if you played it. It was in a extremely linear level structure, eight to ten levels, a couple of bonus levels, and then eight worlds total. And it was around two or three closed off rooms, right? Where you uh you had to sneak under lights, you had to do some weight puzzles, where you had to weigh down a certain switch, and you had to move past, and you had to sneak past. It was a very forgiving, very fun, slightly repetitive game. And this seems like it threw a lot of that out the window, but for better. Yeah, for sure. Well, the test chambers are basically what you're describing from the first Stealth Inc. It's those isolated, you know, few room puzzles. Um, and, and in Stealth Inc. 2, like I said, you only get to use one gadget. And it's always like the new gadget that you're sort of being introduced to and, and, and learning how to use. Um, so that's, that's basically Stealth Inc. 1. But then they built this whole world around it now between the test chambers that you're exploring and, and like I said, gaining further access to as you uh, gain the ability to use the gadgets mm. outside of those test chambers. So it basically has what you like from Stealth Inc. 1, but then builds this like just crazy twisted narrative around it. Um, so how is the story told? Are there cutscenes or is it all purely like environmentally based narrative <laughs> or? Um, for the most part, it's um, like environmentally and then told throughout these messages that the scientist is like displaying for you on the wall. Um, he'll also like te- like he'll I mean, which is funny because he's trying to kill you, but he'll display how to use items and stuff on the wall. You know, he'll tell you what buttons to press to use them. I guess ultimately because his idea is he can just get you to use them and get you to a point where you'll get killed. Um, and then he's also he'll taunt you. So there are times where you you'll get killed. And then a message will display on the wall and he'll be like, delicious, or, you know, or something like that, or, or he'll just taunt you basically as you die. Um, but every time you do clear out a section of the overworld and get a new gadget, there usually is a, a quick little like 15 or 20 second little uh, cutscene, um, no voice acting or anything like that. But uh, it just kind of gives you an idea of what's going on and just shows your overall progress because as you're playing, you're, you're rescuing more and more clones and all the clones are sort of habitating or uh you know, sort of uh, congregating in the central area in the uh, the cloning facility, waiting to ultimately escape. 
uh, the facility altogether. So, um, it's this real slick, uh, presentation. You're never really, like, expressly told kind of what's really going on, but you get a, you get a good idea of it. I, I wonder how this game's gonna do sales-wise when, uh, if they ever release the numbers for that, because it's so interesting to see a game made exclusively for Wii U with nothing but the faith that the lack of competition is going to propel it to success, or at least some kind of reasonable success. And not only that, but they, it doesn't seem like they made an especially conservative sequel either. It sounds like they went all out, or at least compared to the original game. And even though it seems like they are uh, working towards ports for the other systems, I, I wonder if this is going to pay off for them. I, I hope they at least give some kind of hint as to how that goes. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, obviously, eShop indie games, they aren't going to show up on any NPDs or anything like that, so it's entirely up to the, the company if they're ever going to release those numbers, and I, I doubt they would. Um, but yeah, hopefully hopefully it turns out well enough. I mean, yeah, I think it's a, a great game um, and definitely worth checking out. I think it's probably one of the the like most fun games I've played for the eShop. Um, yeah, it just I think it just took me by surprise how, like, fleshed out and well-developed it really was especially coming I, I didn't play a lot of the first stealth thing but i did play a little bit of it and like you were saying alex like it was kind of a simple straightforward uh idea and then this really like extrapolated on that so that's good i was impressed what was the other game you were playing <clears throat> so while not playing that uh i was enjoying dragon age inquisition mm, very game nice. of the year at the game of wards this year that's right yeah, yeah. Um, so I've been playing that on my PS4. I've, I've actually never played a Dragon Age game before. Um, but I'm a huge fan of, uh, Bioware, like, and, and I love the Mass Effect games and stuff. Um, but for some reason I just never, I guess, cause generally I just prefer like space to fantasy, mm -hmm. or high fantasy, I guess you should say. So like, I've never really gotten into them, but I got a, uh, GameStop gift card for my birthday at the end of November and was just kind of like, well... I guess I could wait for Captain Toad, but uh, let's just maybe check this out. Like, I think this will be fun. Mm -hmm. uh, so I downloaded it on my PS4, and I've only probably played a couple hours because I've just been busy with so many other things. But I am enjoying it. Um, it looks great, and I, I'm enjoying the combat. I don't know. Have, have either of you played it so far? I haven't played Inquisition. I bought the original Dragon Age on PSN for five bucks during a sale. Haven't touched it yet. I one of the things that confuses me about the Dragon Age combat whenever I see footage of it mm -hmm. is that depending on what you're looking at, it either turns into an action game or some kind of halfway strategy game. Mm. Well, yeah, and see that's what I wanted to talk about because you you have sort of the option to do either uh like freely uh in inquisition and i like i said i don't know if this is what it's like in the uh in the the you know the games that came before this um but you kind of have the option to just sort of run in and, and you know just press uh the the trigger to just do your basic attack or you have a, a variety of uh like different button inputs you can do to do your special attacks um, which all feels really good but you can also press a button and the camera will go above head and zoom way out and you can, you can assign attacks for each of your party members, and I don't even bother with that whatsoever, and I don't know if that's going to really screw me over, like, I don't know if you have to do that, I'm kind of hoping at this point, I haven't needed to, so I'm kind of hoping at this yeah. point it's, like, optional, it's like, if that's how you want to play the game, very slow and calculated, that's there if you want to do it, but I'm hoping that also the AI is, like, responsible enough that it's like, no, you can go in and just sort of play it like a, very much like an action RPG, not 
like you were saying, like a like a turn based, uh, very like methodical RPG. So from what I've heard, um, Inquisition does a good job of of kind of allowing the different types of play. Whereas with Origins, the first one, it was primarily a PC game that was ported to Xbox 360 and PlayStation right. Three, and yeah, that one was I seem it seems anyway to have been much more of a methodical sort of pause the action, queue up attacks, and manage your party a bit more. Where then they sort of swung the opposite way a bit too far and made Dragon Age 2 a bit too maybe action-heavy and not enough strategy focus. And and from what I've heard, Inquisition is kind of that happy medium between the two to accommodate both play styles. That sounds a lot like, uh, I mean, Scott, you'll answer in a second, but that sounds a lot like how uh, Mass Effect actually went down. Mm. Because Mass Effect was a lot like a proper RPG in the first game, if I remember correctly. Mass Effect 2 took it into a completely action direction, and then Mass Effect 3 tried to pull it back a little bit. Right, right. So, Scott, what do you, what do you think so far of the narrative? Because I know Bioware games are always big on story and dialogue choices, and uh i'm enjoying it i'm enjoying the story i mean like i said i've never played the two i need i need to watch like you know ign does this nice like catch up on stories of games in five minutes i should probably watch one of those to know like the world that i'm stepping into because i don't really know like what's gone on before Mm. i don't know if like any characters that i'm seeing if i'm supposed to like you know go like oh that's that person from that time um so i don't you know any of that is going to be over my head but as far as far as like a sort of personal narrative um i'm really enjoying it uh the, the the choice system works out well and what i like so far is it doesn't seem to be that binary like here's a good choice here's a bad choice kind of setup right now okay. um what what it kind of does actually is it has a variety of like emotions uh that you can express throughout your answers and it will give you an idea of each one before you pick it so you know someone might say something to you and you have a, a, a choice of like four responses and when you highlight the response uh, in the center of the the little wheel that the responses are around will be an icon. So maybe it'll be, uh, you know, like a bicep. So that's like, uh, you know, a very like strong response. Uh, or it might be uh, like a question mark. So like an inquisitive response or different things like that. So it's not expressly like, here's the good thing where you're nice to someone and you, you know, offer not to take the reward. And here's the bad one where you demand that they double the reward. You know, this very like clear, okay, the good, bad tree path kind of thing. Um, it seems a lot more flexible, at least right now. Like I said, I'm still, I've probably only put in like two, maybe three hours tops. So, um, we'll see how that develops and how it ultimately like influences, uh, you know, the arc of your character. Mm-hmm. Is there a dedicated sort of meter that shows you whether you're more, I guess, for the lack of better terms, like Paragon or Renegade, or is it really just that keep they keep it ambiguous? Well, see, that's the thing. I haven't seen that yet, okay. um, but I haven't also like probably deeply looked deeply looked into like every single menu. Mm. Um, but I haven't seen it, so if it's there, it's not quite as uh, like open. Like I feel right. like in Mass Effect when you basically like went to your character screen it was like the first thing you saw right um and i haven't seen that i haven't seen anything like that yet and i haven't there's nothing nothing's happened where it's been like you've gained you know points in this or anything like that so far all that happens is when i make a decision the people around me certain people will like approve or be impressed and other people might like it'll say like so and so slightly disapproves um and stuff like that so 
uh, it seems more like it might just influence your interactions with the the people around you and your party more so than mm. you know the the virtue of your character, I guess. Um, it almost reminds me a bit of like a Telltale Games sort of consequence. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where it's not expressly good or bad, but it does impact the relationships with the characters, which I think is a much better way to approach it than that yeah, that binary good evil kind of thing. So one of the things that uh, has been keeping me from picking up this game, and with all the praise it's getting, I do want to get this game at some point without having to play the previous Dragon Age games. Are you following the story? Does does everything make sense to you? Yeah, like I said, I don't know if there's anything that I'm supposed to like, kind of be like, oh, that's a nod to previous things that like might be over my head. But as far as what's going on in the game, yeah, I'm, I'm I like I'm following along fine. I mean, you know, it the lore is is definitely massive, and it. it I feel like I could really, like, get deep into it if I chose to, but even playing it casually like I am right now, I mean, I'm having no problem really keeping up with the major story beats, um, you know, with, with what's going on. So, yeah, no, it's it's been really enjoyable, and I'm looking forward to more, like, free time to really dig in, which with the, you know, a lot of days off of work with the holidays here, that, that should I should have an opportunity to do that, so. Excellent. Al Osborne. Tell me about the game you've been playing. I have been uh, playing not something particularly new, um, but every year I like to go back and and replay uh, Metal Gear Solid, the original. Um, this year I decided to mix it up a bit and and fire up the GameCube version, Twin Snakes. Um, this is definitely one of my favorite games of all time. Um, and I actually didn't get around to playing... MGS uh, when it first came out on PlayStation until a bit later. So my introduction to the series was actually back on the GameCube with the launch of um, the Silicon Knights remake. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, yeah, I have so many fond memories attached to it and just going through it again and, and um, you know, experiencing that wacky Kojima story. Um, <laughs> it's just so much fun. So much fun. So many good memories. Have you guys played through Metal Gear? Solid. I've tried. I, I've tried so many times, and I, I want to get into that Legacy Collection. I think the only game in that series I've beaten is MGS4. I started oh, MGS1 once. Well, I, I was younger, and I think IGN or GameSpot gave it a perfect 10. Yeah, and it, it uh, well, was IG, IGN gave it a 10 time. for sure, yeah. And uh, it's, it did seem like the right place, right time, and I remember loving it, even though the uh, the story wasn't necessarily the easiest to follow. Mm. Well, Especially I, if you I never tried... played any of them, yeah. Correct. So I, I tried uh, getting into MGS1. It didn't necessarily work out because if you didn't like grow up playing it, it's a little hard to get into the PS1 and 64 era of uh, of games. A lot of them just because that art style and those developing controls didn't age so well. Mm-hmm. And then right. I bought the uh, the Vita MGS collection two and three, and then the original Metal Gear games. And I started two, got ten hours in. And realized I had no idea what was going on, so I stopped. Yeah. But I, I want to give the series the time it deserves, because the premise is so goofy. It seems like it has such a great sense of humor, but takes itself seriously enough that I'd care what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. It's it. I think I, I wish I gave it more respect, and I wish I gave it the time to give it more respect. Well, what about you, Scott? Um. Yeah. I've thought, well, I've played a fair chunk of two, but never beat it. I never played three, which like I know is everyone's favorite. Um, but I I loved one. I played one originally on PlayStation when it came out, and then I played the the Twin Snakes version too when that came out. 
Uh, and then, yeah, I've played and beat four. Like it's, like you said, Alex, I think it was the, just the perfect storm of being like the, you know, next gen quote unquote game to get. I mean, it was probably the only thing really going on on PS4 at the time. And I mean, it looked amazing. So PlayStation three, you mean, oh, I'm seeing, I'm sorry. Yeah. PS three, my bad. All right. Um, but yeah, no, I really enjoy one. And I think, you know, I haven't played like sort of these modern re-releases of one, um, but if they do improve sort of the uh, the controls and stuff, I think that's probably the easiest one to get into just because even the story, even though the story can get a little bloated and ridiculous, it is nothing compared to uh, the others. I feel like they just right. build exponentially upon upon themselves uh, mm-hmm. with, you know, with each successive game. So um, yeah. I know I, I, I really adore the, the first game. Yeah, I, I do think the um, the narrative, the story in, in that first Metal Gear Solid is is easily the best of the bunch and and that's why I like it so much. It works really well as a as its own story, um, rather than just the first chapter in a in a long running convoluted franchise. So yeah, Alex, I would uh I definitely recommend um giving um giving that, that original MGS a, another shot and see it through to the end because it it is a it is a great story. Um but uh yeah. I think two is where things really start to fly off the handle. Um yeah. But yeah, but it is like like you said, um, sort of that wacky that wacky bit, and just the way it does take itself seriously, even though at the same time it's able to have fun and laugh at itself in many regards is is part of its charm. But um, it right. was it was amazing just to play Ground Zeroes earlier this year. I got it from GameFly. I wanted to try it, and I wanted to see what Metal Gear would look like on PlayStation Four, and it it kind of like made me envious of metal gear fans because I had no idea what was going on throughout the story. But even at that very controversial ending, a lot of people hated. I so wish I knew what was going on because at the surface, what was going on seemed completely ridiculous in the ways (laughs) I personally kind of love. Mm. And it's, I, I, I wish I had that in me to just go out there and say, I've experienced Metal Gear. I know exactly what the hell is going on during the surgery scene. Mm. And it's 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 probably I don't want it to be one of my gaming regrets by the time I, I get old and die. So maybe in the next <laughs> few years, maybe this winter, maybe this summer. The only thing I will like, say as a warning is even though um either even if you, you take the time to play through all the games, um even multiple times you still may be Quite confused as most one of your fans are yeah i i don't mind going to tv tropes or uh some wiki after the fact to learn what's going on i just want the opportunity to say i've done this i've tried mm-hmm. i know what the fucking outer haven is mm-hmm. and it's one of these days man one of these days <laughs> and uh it's but it's so just tell me about the uh twin snakes just especially compared to the original well, it's a bit more palatable just because it's uh it's got a nice visual upgrade. Mm-hmm. Um obviously because let's face it the PlayStation 1 era games are really rough on the eyes. Um but aside from that, I know um you know all the cutscenes are are redone and some of them are even wackier and a bit more over <laughs> the top. Um But well, you got to remember this was like sort like just post Matrix. And so, like, the cutscenes are very much inspired by the Matrix. It's, like, everything's bullet time, and suddenly, like, Snake reacts like Neo. 
mm-hmm. like 90% of the time, like dodging bullets and stuff. It, it's pretty, it's pretty insane. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's saying a lot, um, even just compared to the original, it ups, it ups the crazy factor even more. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, is that why it gets a bad rap by some of the fan base compared to the original? Yep. Yeah, definitely. The purists are... There's that, um, and then they changed some of the voice acting, too, didn't they? Didn't they read... I think they re-recorded all the audio, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yeah, they did. They did. So, and you I know, know like it's... Some, some voices changed, which I think also upset, you yes. know, long-time fans. But that doesn't really bother me, and no. hey, Alex, I'm, actually, I, if you could only find one version of it, I would play the, the GameCube version. Just Absolutely. Like, like the other Alex said, it, it, it just looks so much better. You're the other Alex. <laughs> it's all good. I came to the party late, so I'll settle. I'll settle for other Alex. Uh, I, I'm I'm just pranking. <laughs> but uh, it's it seems cool. Like, my one issue is that I don't have a computer powerful enough to obtain this game in the ways I want to. And, I, <laughs> and if I actually tried paying uh, for a copy of Metal Gear Solid The Twin Snakes... I feel like I would be paying comparable numbers to actually obtaining the entire Legacy Collection on PlayStation 3, even though it's already gone out of print for a second time. <laughs> it's... yeah. I, I, I just need to steal this game from some mom-and-pop shop. I, that's what it's come down to. I, I just need a fucking copy of Metal Gear just to say I've done it. Mm-hmm. You do. You do. Yeah. The GameCube version's fun, too, because it just has a lot of little Nintendo nods. I mean, there's like... You can find little Nintendo like figurines around yeah. the the facility, and then uh, you there during the Psycho Mantis fight. There's uh, like pictures of Miyamoto uh, that like like laugh at you and stuff during the fight. It's pretty cool. Word, uh, that's good. Glad to hear about Metal Gear Solid: The Twin Snakes. Now I will talk about the games I've been playing this week. Two big Nintendo releases on Wii U from 2014, the first of which being Mario Kart 8, a game that came out in May that I refused to buy because on paper, that game did and still sounds pretty terrible. Because if you look at what Mario Kart 8 is on paper, it's a game that was made in like two years or less. If you look at its new features, the, the... Hoverboarding and or hovercrafting stuff looks completely aesthetic on the surface. The new item stuff seems c- almost arbitrary. The battle mode just—I don't even know what they were thinking. <laughs> and the characters are a real mess. It's you got seven Koopalings, five babies, and like Pink Gold Peach is the cool unlockable character. <laughs> like, like enough. But Black Friday came around. And I had an opportunity to buy this game for $35, which it was about the right price. It was about the price I was willing to pay for this game, because as a Nintendo fan, I still feel an obligation to ultimately buy every single super-duper AAA Nintendo game, regardless mm-hmm. of what it is, regardless of whatever uh, I held against it to begin with. And I have to say, I kind of like it. And I didn't expect to say that, but I, I guess... Part of the reason for that is because I'm also looking at this game as a package with the DLC, since I had already bought it. And the game by itself doesn't seem that good, but when you add in Link as a super interesting playable character, you add in some extra Nintendo stuff, and then you know that the villager stuff is coming in down the line. Mm -hmm. It's harder to feel like uh, Mario Kart 8 is devoid of creativity, and you know what? 
it's not actually as devoid of creativity as I thought. <laughs> the, uh, the stage design especially, specifically the stage design, might be the best this series has ever had. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the courses are, I would say, inventive. There's a lot going on without it feeling like too much is going on. And the uh, the original courses, the retro courses, it's, it feels like they've been completely overhauled in a way. Like, a lot of them feel like new courses. Now, some of them, uh, specifically like the ones from the, uh, like that music one from 3DS, that doesn't feel that much different. But then look at, like, Wario Stadium from the DS game. Right. That feels like a completely new course. And, and I really like what they're doing with the core stuff. The item stuff did end up being a bigger deal than I thought. The characters, I'm warming up to the Koopalings now that I've been unlocking them one at a time and I've been giving them a little bit of attention. I guess it's okay that this is uh, a focus of the new game. And the, uh, the stages are good. My big problem with this game and it's the same problem I've had with Mario Kart for a very long time, is that the AI is no good. <laughs> it's, it, it's, that, that's a real mess. It, it feels like it came out of 1998, in the sense that it's, it's so simplistic that you can tell the AI is straight-up cheating on a lot of the <laughs> 150cc races. And I only feel confident enough to say that because I've already beaten those races. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that if I hadn't beaten them yet, because the proper response would be, get good. But mm. I have beaten those races in Mario Kart 8, and I can say based on that, that there was not that much of a feeling of accomplishment knowing that I had beaten AI so simple, that where there was clearly a designated winner, second place, third place, and fourth place every time I would yeah. start a new uh, track. They, they really need to get that stuff in shape, and I don't know how they're going to do it, and I'm guessing they haven't figured it out either because it has been exactly the same for a very long time. But it's it, that that's this, the whole single player is a real bummer. I think Subspace Emissary should be repurposed in some way for the Mario Kart game. Give it a new villain. Uh, give the courses some new context. And you know what? Just make more Nintendo characters part of Mario Kart. But the racing has been very good. I've been having a real good time with the racing. I haven't even touched online yet. Oh, and really? The, and it, it the game is absolutely beautiful for a game that has no anti-aliasing whatsoever. And even for my TV in my room, which is 20 inches, 720p, 5 years old, that, that game looks phenomenal. It's probably the best-looking game Nintendo's ever made, with the potential exception of Pikmin 3. And it's probably going to end up on the lower side of my top 10 by the end of the year. It's, uh, but I need to stick with it. But it's, uh, the gameplay's real good. Do you have a uh, favorite racer? I think Shy Guy. It's Shy Guy was my favorite in the 3DS games, specifically because he was the best, just in general. <laughs> it's a good reason. Because <laughs> he really is, based on the guys I've unlocked, he really is the best. And he was sure. the best last time around, too. What color Shy Guy do you use if you bought the DLC? Black. I, 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 I'm, I, even though I'm 20 years old now, which, by the way, is still completely fucking young. I, I still... <laughs> that was so great, even though I'm 20 now. <laughs> it's, I still I still have that edgy mindset of a 13-year-old when it comes to picking colors on custom characters. I'll still pick black and dark red. Uh, I'll still name my characters, like, fucking Edge. Oh, it's, it's, I, I, I feel like the Sonic the Hedgehog fan base sometimes when it comes to my yeah. character customization. But it's it's a good time. It's It's how I get my kicks. Well, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's been good. Black Shy Guy's been good. The Koopalings have been okay. Haven't unlocked the, uh, which one's the big gray one? With the Koopaling? You big guys know? Gray. Oh, Roy? 
Is is that Roy? He's he's with the, like the uh, star on his eye, right? Roy. It's I. I'm really embarrassed that I'm looking this up because he's he's my favorite. But no, no, no. The uh the gray helmet. Koopa <laughs> Fantastic radio guys. Okay, here here we go. Morton. I knew it was Morton. Oh, Morton. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Morton Morton was my favorite in the demo, and I'm glad that uh, I, I'm, I still am looking forward to him. So, yeah, he, he's been my favorite. The game's been cool. Uh, when we do the Game of the Year stuff towards the end, I, I might have to give it a special mention. We'll see how that pans out. Special mention. Yeah, well, hopefully we uh, maybe we can get some online going again. I mean, you missed that like rush when it first came out. I know, I know like, like Nick, Nick, and I were getting games going like every Saturday night, basically. And it, I, what what makes it so much more fun, mm-hmm. uh, which we'll we'll talk about in a minute with your next game, but which makes it what makes it more fun uh, than something like Smash Brothers is just the fact that you can have so many people racing at one time. Like it's great to get uh, you know twelve people in there um, and get like yeah, just a huge giant uh, race going. Have you ever considered what, like, a 30-person Mario Kart race would be like? Uh, didn't, what, couldn't you do, wasn't F-Zero, couldn't you do, like, 30 people in F-Zero? Am I wrong? But was the course design similar? I mean, I I did not play F-Zero GX, and I assume that's the one you're talking about. Uh, the GameCube one. Uh, I, I have no idea. But I, 32 racers on a Mario Kart track with all, like, 30 playable characters of Mario Kart, I, I just wonder what that would look like uh insanity probably <laughs> but the good kind yeah yeah probably all right let's talk about my other game and let's close this bad boy out i've been playing smash bros wii u and i wasn't sure whether i wanted this at first because even though that nintendo direct excited me very very much i still it didn't seem like a game i needed to pay 60 dollars for right away but uh sometimes you happen to get a little lucky with your income for a little while and I happened to have a little extra spending money, and I went with Super Smash Bros. Wii U. Right now, the, my first thought is, yes, it's an excellent game. Yes, it's fantastic. Yes, I, I got that uh, Smash Bros. addiction coming back. <laughs> to the people who are saying that Super Smash Bros. Wii U and Super Smash Bros. 3DS are completely different games, and to the people saying that Super Smash Bros. Wii U is practically Super Smash Bros. 5, you people are crazy. You people are completely crazy. Super Smash Bros. Wii U is basically Super Smash Bros. 3DS with better content. It's That's what it is. It's and If you look at the exact mechanics, the exact characters, these are two versions of the same game. Now, I understand if some sites are going to be referring to these as two games when it comes to the end of the year, because they do have some different content features, but just on a specific discussion level, Smash Bros. and Wii U and 3DS, they're they're pretty much the same game in a lot of ways. And it's, they look different. They control a little different. And Wii U is definitely better in every single way. The Wii U has better online. The Wii U has some better content, but it's two versions of the same game. Saying that, what content is in the Wii U game has been impressing me so far. The Amiibo stuff is way better than it sounded at first. Because <laughs> Amiibo is basically Pokemon training, but instead of fighting as the Pokemon, you're fighting against the Pokemon while you're training it. Which mm-hmm. is specifically relevant because I, in fact, got a Pokemon as my amiibo. <laughs> and it's, it's it was actually super addicting spending... It, it probably took two, three hours to get it up to level 50, I'd say. Uh, it's it's That was super fun. I can't wait for uh, PAX East 
when we can all bring our amiibos and send them against each other to see whose comes out on top. <laughs> the customization stuff's going to be dope. I like the uh, the visuals. It's a super sexy looking game. I love the music. I like the stages a lot more than the 3DS version, though I wish some more of the 3DS stages actually carried over. Mm. I don't like Smash Tour that much, but then again, pretty much no one does. Yeah, no. And I, I haven't really dug into the events yet, and it's, which is one of the main reasons why I actually bought this game, but I, I guess I've been savoring those. But it, I've been away from my Wii U for the last week, and I, I've been getting a hankering for more Smash. So maybe if you guys are doing more online play, I'll, uh, I, I might tag in. Yeah, for sure. I haven't done it in a while, but I'd like to get back into it. Out of curiosity, uh, Alex, who is your main? Actually, do you do have Smash Bros.? Um, I don't have the Wii U version, but in the pat and prior entries, I have always enjoyed uh, Pikachu, if only just for the down B Thunder tech. Hell yeah, man. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> and uh, Scott, what about you? You don't know my main? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. It's your, your Yoshi boy. That's right. Yoshi boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Yoshi for sure, always. And then um, I like to play as Ness, too, as like a backup to just switch things up. But um, no, Yoshi forever. So so you, you pick your Smash Bros. character strictly on your love for the franchise. Yeah, I guess so. And it helps that like I just like playing as Yoshi. Because, um, I mean, like I love um, you know like Xenoblade Chronicles, but I don't really like playing as Shulk, so... Yes, um, <laughs> that's. Uh, I wonder if that's the uh, the same way a lot of other people feel. About yeah, him. I. I mean, I feel like he'd be really good if I if I really like force myself to master playing as him. Um, there's a lot going on. Yeah, there's a lot you have to keep track of. So no, I've just always enjoyed. I mean, I've played Yoshi since the N sixty four one. I've just always enjoyed uh, enjoyed his move set, and I think I especially like him just because so many people underestimate him. So I kind of like to uh, prove some people wrong there. So. <laughs> <laughs> which which must be interesting, considering Yoshi has probably been one of the veteran characters who has received the most upgrades over the years. Yeah, and he's even gotten better in this one. Uh, his, you know, he's got that great like second jump. Um, so his up B has never really done anything. I mean, you know, you throw the egg, but it 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 in past games has never really given you much more elevation. It's kind of just like bumped you over a little bit in the air. But now it actually gives you a little bit of a vertical boost, um, and I've actually like been able to save myself with it a little bit. So yeah, if anything, they've made even his recovery a little bit better now. And he um, did need uh, a better recovery, because it, it wasn't fair to give him a little bit of that Ness recovery, because he he really should have had a little bit of a boost to begin with. Well, because the second jump's awesome, but yeah, if something happens that interrupts that second jump, or like you've used that second jump to, like say, attack someone in midair, then yeah, you're kind of, uh, kind of boned. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, but yeah, no, I enjoy it. So Alex, having played it now, does it make the 3DS version sort of obsolete for you? I mean, like you've said, it's basically the same game, just looks nicer, which to me makes all the difference. Well, I, I would I would go as far as to say it's an all around better game. Uh, yeah. And as, as I'm sure many would, I don't think it entirely makes the 3DS version obsolete because uh, I forgot to bring the 3DS version with me to school this week, which, and I wish I did because there is something to be said about the portability of a Smash Bros. game and being able to pick it up and play for 45 minutes to an hour at any time. Yeah. For, for that reason, I don't think it'll ever fully go obsolete, and I hope when Smash 5 does come out, whoever ends up making that and whoever ends up being at the helm of that, I, uh, I hope they do a handheld version 
Though I just hope it has a little more parity to the console version. Because I love any uh, assertive attempt at making a really good handheld game. Especially when it's a handheld port of... Uh, or at least a handheld approximation of what's traditionally console experience. Like, it, that's that makes me look at a game like it's a, it's a challenger in a way that uh, it hasn't been in the past. So I don't think the 3DS version is entirely obsolete. It's just worse. and it, <laughs> But it has... But it has stuff of its own to offer. Yeah. Um. It's. I. I also just wanted to throw out there. My boys have been Little Mac. Not in. I'm gonna add a qualifier to that. I don't like Little Mac because he's one of the easiest to be good with in the game. But I like Little Mac because of his total lack of moderation. And Little Mac is a lot of fun to play as because he's a complete wrecking ball when he's on the field. But his weaknesses are so atrocious that it feels like you're going all or nothing all the time. And playing as Little Mac feels like it's an all-intensity battle at all times, <laughs> especially when you're playing in the boxing ring. Uh, yeah. I've been playing a lot of the characters more now that I've been playing Smash Bros. Wii U. I don't know if you noticed this, Scott, but did you actually start experimenting with other characters a little bit more once you got the Wii U game? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, and so I've been... Working with Charizard a little bit. I, I, I kind of like his move, even though he's supposedly, uh, his moves, even though he's a little low tier, but he, he seems real fun to play. I, I like his massive hitbox. Captain Falcon is just glorious, and he's glorious in this game, too. It's he's, He seems like he has even more attitude than he did in the past for some reason. <laughs> hmm. So that's that. Uh, anyways, that'll be our show for this week. Thank you for joining me, Alex. Thank you for joining me, uh, Scott Thompson. You can find Scott on Twitter at OK, the letters OK in the word soda. You can find uh, Alex Osborne. <laughs> as, he, as he looks it up. <laughs> uh, you can find Alex Osborne at Alex C. Osborne. That's A-L-E-X-C-O-S-B-O-R-N. Uh, and you can find me at C-U-L-A-F-I-A, Kalafia, OK Soda, Alex C. Osborne, Kalafia, everyone from Nintendo World Reports Connectivity saying bye-bye. Bye. 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 <laughs> Sorry. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>
Merry Christmas, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of Nintendo News Report. I'm your host, Alexander Kalafi, and joining me today for a very special episode of Nintendo News Report, where we have almost no news to talk about, but still a pretty fun show regardless. I mean, we got some things to talk about. We <laughs> like surprisingly have a little bit of news to talk about. But the two people joining me to talk about that news and much more, Site Director Neil Ronahan. Hi, everybody. Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas to you too, Neil. And Connectivity Podcast Editor, Scott Thompson. Hello! That's Excellent. Awesome. So, the way this show normally works, and you can watch our previous two episodes if you want, we normally do a top story, we normally do new releases, and we normally do the rest of the week's news. This week, because it's Christmas, and today, because it's Christmas, I'm just going to ask people about how their Christmas went. And nice tie, Neil, by the way. Thank you. It's a Christmas gift. <laughs> we can tell and then in the middle of the sh- you know what Nintendo put out a shocking amount I might say and at the end of the show we're going to talk about some of our favorite Nintendo Christmas memories and that's our show so uh, you know what let's just start out uh, plain it's, let's start out classic Scott how was your Christmas today it was good um I guess you know, I'm in the position where like I'm the I'm the only one of us who has kids. So at this point, it's less about like me getting stuff and more about just like the excitement of my daughter like opening things. Um, so she got a bunch of stuff today. Was super like excited. She's two and a half now, so this is like probably the first Christmas where she's really like been able to open presents and be excited about the things that are inside those presents, not just like oh I'm gonna play with the wrapping paper for the next hour. Uh, I guess just put whatever you bought me in my room because I don't care about it right now. Um, so it was fun. It was good. Spent a lot of time with family and did a lot of stuff. So good times for sure. Uh, did you play any video games today? Today? Uh, no. That is the plan tonight after we are done with this and the kids are sleeping. And, yeah, that's 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 the adult uh, way of playing video games at night when the kids are sleeping. So that's yeah. the plan. I mean, I don't have any kids, but that's that's my plan. I I mean, I I'm I'm married, so that means I've got two families to attend to, which means yep. that I drive all over the state of New Jersey on Christmas Day to see everybody. Um, I did get to witness actually. Uh, my one of my one of my well, I guess he's my only nephew, but I have I have a bunch of nieces. Um, I got my nephew a Donkey Kong figure, the Jack specific one. If you were into that sort of thing, like the bigger <laughs> one, um, and. He's about. He's going to be three in March, so I think he's very close to. He, he I mean, keep him away from Tegan, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, Tegan turns three in May, yeah. so I already don't like okay. any of what you're telling me. <laughs> I thought she. No, maybe I'm getting it mixed up with the fact that this kid was born in March. No, wait. Wait, wait, wait. Did I say no? No, sorry, sorry. March, March, not May. Okay. I know. I know your kid's birthday better than you. <laughs> yeah. do. I don't know if that's like. I don't know who that's. If I should be more ashamed of myself or worried about you. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah. So they're, they're almost exactly the same age, but, uh, he, he didn't really understand who Donkey Kong was, but, mm-hmm. but then I like, was like, it's a toy. You can move him. And he's like, take him out of the box. And <laughs> I it's one of those dumb ones where you have to like get all this plastic stuff off. So like, he's trying to like pull him out of the box and I'm trying to be like, no man, I need to unwrap this. I'm going to go get some <laughs> scissors. Just cut it open. Like I can't take it anymore. Um, so that was, that was part of my Christmas. Nice. I did get this, this baller tie for my cousin. He's actually the same cousin that I can blame everything video game related in my life on because he's the one who had the NES that many a holiday season when I was little, 
I would excitedly go to his house and play the hell out of Super Mario Brothers and Silent Service and Anticipation um, and other classics for the original Nintendo. And then he eventually gave me that original Nintendo when I was like, I don't know, like six years old or something like that. And then that just led me to basically living at a Funko land for about four years, um, buying like a hundred Nintendo games. So it's his fault. But you know, I, that, I, uh, I, got, I got some cool board games. I got Carcassonne. I got Settlers of Catan, or I guess rather both me and my wife did. Mm. And I also got uh, the Marvel Comics, uh, the legendary deck building game, which I played an Aliens version of that, which was a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm glad to, I'm excited to play the Marvel one. Nice. I forgot to mention, I went went to my uncle's house uh, for Christmas today, and he got his uh, um, daughters. They're young. They're only like, well, it was his daughter, and then his daughter's like friend, I think, or maybe like a long-lost cousin on on somewhere along the line. I don't know. Uh, But they're like probably like 9 or 10, and he got them a Wii U and Smash Brothers and Mario Kart. So I helped them hook that up, and then they played Smash Brothers. And I was amazed that I get all the actual Nintendo characters they knew. Like, it wasn't just like, I thought like, okay, it'll be like Princess Peach versus like Mario for the most part. But they were like going deep. Like, they knew Charizard and Meta Knight and, like, all kinds of crazy stuff. I don't know how. That's awesome. I don't know how, but, yeah, they were, like, pretty hardcore into it, so that was a lot of fun. So. Yeah, keep it, keep it on the on the kid bandwagon. Uh, my, my, I mean, like, uh, I have a lot of, like, I guess in-law nieces and stuff, but my, my, my brother's kid, um, he, she's been really into Sonic the Hedgehog, and mm. she's the one for people who follow me on Twitter. She's the person who I showed her a Sonic Boom video on NWR TV that you too can watch as well. Um, but I showed her a video of Sonic Boom, and she's like, "This is boring." And then just like <laughs> turned off the vi- like like I was holding I was holding her tablet like I was like, "Oh, let me show you this video of Sonic. You like Sonic?" And she's like, "This is boring." Grabbed the tablet out of my hands and turned off the video and then walked away. <laughs> nice. Like, can't even watch it, Uncle Neil. Uh, but my brother got her like one of those kind of crappy Sega Genesis things that are in, like, stores and stuff. Oh, yeah, where it's got, like, 30 games built in but and stuff. That you can put cartridges in it. And I yeah. was reading up on it. Apparently, it's pretty janky, and, like, some yeah. games don't work. But regardless, uh, when I was over at my parents, and I grabbed all my old Sega Genesis cartridges and put them in my car, so that way, when I see my niece this weekend, we're going to, like, play some Dynamite Heady or something. I don't know. <sighs> Game's so good. Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited to just be, like, kid, we're going to spend days playing all my Genesis games. <laughs> Tommy, let's sort of baseball. Let's go. <laughs> one is uh, Carcassonne again. Uh, Carcassonne is the one where, like, you have the tiles, and then you, like, flip them and put them down in places and then, like, try to get points. I've or, only, okay. I only played it once, but my wife and I really liked it, and we want to play it more. It is a well-known mobile uh, app, too. Yeah, no, there was a very good Xbox Live arcade version as well. All right, excellent. Uh, Christmas, it's I'm, I'm definitely in that period right now that's, like, past the point of getting, like, video games and stuff for Christmas, but before the point of getting almost nothing for Christmas. So, <laughs> yeah. so this year was a lot of practical gifts, which is fine, because I've, I've learned to appreciate those gifts now. A lot of clothes I really needed. Uh a lot of gift cards to stuff I really needed as a growing boy. Uh, but video <laughs> games, video games-wise, I played a hell of a lot of Smash Bros. And something I discovered is that my main in Super Smash Bros. for Wii U is, in fact, Charizard, someone who ah. I did not expect to main because I didn't actually play as a Pokemon trainer that much. But Charizard, I mean, 
he's one of those bulkier characters where he's got a huge hitbox, and that definitely puts him at a disadvantage, but he's really fast, and he does a great job of having super strong smashes while having uh, B-moves that zone the other characters and, like, push him away. So I, yeah, I, I was surprised at how effective his, I guess, the the B, the side B one, where he just kind of darts across the stage. I, uh, I played as Charizard in, in my uh, my quest for always using random. Um, I played as Charizard and was, like, kind of pissed, and then I just destroyed everyone. And yeah. It really good. It's, uh, but that side B is a super dangerous move, because I think it adds, like, 10 or 15% uh, damage every time you use it. Oh, okay, good to know. I mean, it's, it worked. Yeah. I won that round, so yeah. cool. Oh, it damages you when you use it. Uh, yes, it uh the side B move that we're like it's I think it's uh flare blitz and I should know but I'm pretty sure it's flare blitz where uh he shoots to the side. I mean that you are does a Pokemon guy. I am, but I don't know all of the TMs or the the technical machines as we in the biz like to call it. It's <laughs> the, the side B is in fact what, what biz is that. Man, I also yes. I also like that in the biz you use the longer like more formal name rather than the easy yeah. like uh, moniker. You would for think it. all the kids. I mean, we, we don't <laughs> like it's not like marijuana. It's it's weed. <laughs> like, come on. That's good. <laughs> so yeah, it's the uh, the the side B move where it shoots into someone else that adds like ten or fifteen percent damage. And I learned that especially in event mode when I was using Charizard for like the final two challenges where like you had to beat uh spoiler. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, it actually, you know what? I won't even say that because this is live and you can't really skip ahead. But, uh, <laughs> Turn off this right now. You don't want smash spoilers. I won't I won't actually spoil anything. But the, when you're setting that small gun, uh, you only have one life as your fighter of choice. It's very hard to have moves that damage your character after because that shit racks yeah. up. Especially when you get to the end and you already have like 150% on you. But anyways, that was one thing I did. And then the other thing I did was uh, I chatted with uh, one of my relatives for about like a half hour about the Magnavox Odyssey, which he apparently owns one. So that was that was That's okay. It's just um, when I got huh? when I got the Donkey Kong uh, that led to uh, my sister-in-law talking about how she had an Atari, and then I wound up talking with a uh, a family friend of my wife's family uh, and that wound up talking to him about super Nintendo for like 40 minutes. Um, <laughs> he, he likes Donkey Kong and Link to the past a lot. So, so here's a, here's a question. So I'm guessing this cousin it's, you want to impress a little bit of the video game stuff onto him, but he's probably not uh, the most knowledgeable video game fans, obviously because he's young. Why Donkey Kong specifically? I mean, well, he's my nephew first off. Right. Um, and he's he uh, their parents are kind of neurotic, so I was looking. I wanted to get him a video game thing, and uh, or like a cool toy, just in general. Like it was like you know Star Wars, Turtles, whatever. And he's under three, and their parents are kind of neurotic, so I didn't want to get anything with a choking hazard. And I actually had the Mario or the Yoshi, like the the smaller figures that I was going to get because those are better characters than Donkey Kong in my opinion. Um, but they all had like small objects and have the choking hazard, and I was like, his mom's just gonna fucking take it away. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give him the Donkey Kong because he's just a big dumb big dumb ape with a tie. And <laughs> um, we'll see. True. I know he's got he he's also got some cool Iron Man toys as well and a bunch of Marvel things. I got him I, a Matchbox car too. I might also argue that if we're choosing anyone of the uh, the main Mario crew, I would argue that Donkey Kong might be the coolest including Bowser. 
I mean, Donkey Kong does have the tie. The tie is pretty good. Have- <laughs> so, uh, close. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on. This has been a pretty good Christmas talk. I've got a little yeah. bit of insight into how the day went for you, gentlemen. <laughs> well, I mean, my, what my day might go after this is maybe playing some Super Mario Brothers Deluxe. Uh, I don't think I'll play Duck Hunt tonight, but I do kind of want to play Mario Party Advance because I'm an idiot. Excellent segue <laughs> and half of the segment. <laughs> it's a nintendo download here's the stuff that came out on nintendo's eShop this week way more than i expected unfortunately not among these games is pokemon pinball ruby and sapphire but i'm guessing we'll get that that's next week no i mean like that's 100 percent confirmed for next week it's all on nintendo.com that's good all right so shantae and the pirate curse came out for wii u this week that is probably a good version of that game uh, which is yeah, supposedly I mean, very some, some dude here, I think he reviewed it for like a website that wasn't Nintendo World Report. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I reviewed I reviewed the 3DS version uh, for a little website called IGN. Uh, I gave yeah, it a five. Um, that is a fantastic game. Um, it is a very think, good game. Yeah, like really channels that Metroidvania spirit, uh, and it's just so like bizarrely off the wall with its sense of humor and its writing that like it's hard not to just kind of smile and laugh. Uh, the majority of the time you're playing it. So, and one of the um, one of the com- one of the complaints that I have with the other Shantae games is that they were very like, I guess maybe abstract is the right word, but like you wouldn't really know where to go next. Whereas mm-hmm. this one does a very good job of guiding you while still giving you the freedom to like go back and explore and find stuff. Like it's way easier to move around in that world than it was in the original or Risky's Revenge. Right, and it's nice, too, because I think there's, like, six, like, areas, but they're all separate yeah. islands, so you're never, like, really, like, having to travel, like, completely through one to reach another. You kind of just go back to the world map and then, like, jump to the island you need to explore. Um, yeah, and it has just a, yeah, good sense of progression. And like you said, it, it's it's you, it's not really, you're never really going to get lost, but you still have to kind of, like, like, solve some puzzles and, like, make mental notes of, like, okay, I need to come back here when I have the ability that I, like, clearly is going to let me do something here, so... Yeah, it's very good. I, like, I don't. I like, what's that? I like the part where you get Risky's boots. <clears throat> yeah, Risky. Yeah, Their exactly. Name is risky boots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's like it has a lot of like self-referential humor. So if you play the other games, that definitely helps. Um, but even if you haven't, I, I think it's easy to jump in. I don't know that the Wii U version really adds much. It's probably a little prettier than the 3DS version. But I think other than that, it's mostly the same. So I guess just go with whatever platform you're you know most comfortable with. But very yeah. very good game. So. That's on Wii U. Duck Hunt is finally here. It has a reticle on the screen. You can use Wii remotes. You have to use Wii remotes, in fact. Yeah. Uh, you, can you can do turn off the reticle, two-player mur- the multiplayer. People you are can. like crying bloody murder over the fact that there's a reticle. But I think it's just like you, you like, press down on the D-pad or something, and then it takes the reticle away. For me, it's not really much of a difficulty thing why I would keep it on. It's more that I don't trust the accuracy of the Wii Remote 100%. Yeah. Uh, and Which is kind of ironic, uh, considering the previous technology was the NES Zapper. <laughs> yeah. Dude, the NES still... Zapper is legit. Like, that's a <laughs> wonderful accessory. It's, it, was it actually totally accurate, 100%? Or... I mean, I never had any complaints. I played a lot of Duck Hunt as a kid, and some Hogan's Alley. I even, I mean... I even played the Adventures of Bayou Billy. Because there was like an alternate <laughs> mode where there'd be like a side thing. You'd put the zapper in the two-player slot, I think. And then like every now and then it'd just be like, I don't know, shoot some things. 
<laughs> pretty crappy game otherwise. So it's uh, I was originally going to buy this game, but as we said on uh, last week, oh, game to come out. Uh, I'm a little less eager to buy it than I was before, though I still might. One thing that I kind of think is cool is that I'm looking at the screenshot that's including the press release now, and it's showing the Duck Hunt Dog in the stage in that uh in that NES screen. It's it's not 16 by 9. What's what's the smaller? display four by three four by three it's all right so four by three it's and it looks exactly like the uh the super smash bros stage which i guess was inspired by the real game yeah i I mean like that's that's why the super smash Bros. stage is so cool because it's just the game it is so cool it's, I love, it's, it's, I love that. Like, I love that you're like, and I'm assuming, I guess, that they it yeah, was inspired like, by the actual game. That kind of reminds me. I had a I had a friend growing up. Um, she had never seen the original Star Wars movies, and she decided at one point that she was going to start from Episode One and just watch through oh. to Episode Six. She thought like that was the you know like the way to watch them, um, you know, chronologically. And so she did it, and then she gets to Episode Five, and she's like, "That's clearly Yoda. Why is he acting all insane right now?" So like you know you get that moment where you're like Yoda, you think when the uh, when Luke first gets there, you think, oh, Yoda's like, that's not Yoda, that's not the Jedi Master, that's just this weird Muppet who's just being a dick and won't take Luke to, like, the actual Yoda. But she already knew who Yoda was, knew that he was a badass, so she's just kind of like, I don't get it, why is he being a weirdo? I don't know, just kind of reminded me of that when you get things out of order. I recommend if anyone wants to uh, see... A, a re- the reason why... Yoda's depiction is so horrible in the prequels. I recommend Red Letter Media's Star Wars reviews, uh, the Mr. Plinkett ones. They're like 90 minutes each, but they're hilarious and they're amazing, and they go into a lot of detail on why the prequels are so bad. Specifically, the fact that Yoda in the prequels is a complete insult to his original intentions in the original movie, but that's beside the point. Other games that came out this week. Mario Party Advance on the Wii U Virtual Console. Huh? I don't think the prequels are that offensive. Episode 1's a shitty movie, but other than that, like, I don't know. So 2 is one of the worst things, man. I mean, there's, it's, like, some cool parts in 2. It's just anytime the political romance. stuff shows up. Anakin Skywalker's romance is, is potentially yeah, I mean, one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen. Still, like, <laughs> fight in the arena and, like, the stuff at the end. I'm not saying 2 is great, but, like, one one's a bad movie outside of Duel of the Fates. And I guess the pot race is pretty cool. Here, here's here's what I'll say. I think the original trilogy is great story-wise, and I think the ship combat is really fantastic, but I think a lot of the like hand-to-hand combat leaves a lot to be desired. Oh, yeah. The prequels are terrible story-wise for the most part, but have amazing fight scenes. And like this yeah. what gives me hope for the upcoming trilogy is that we'll get like at least a enjoyable story if nothing else, uh, and then like just awesome modern combat yeah. with like, modern, you know. And I mean episode 3, I I would think that that's like, I mean it's 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 definitely not amazing. It's still like there's it's still got a pretty bad story, but like episode three still works. Like I still enjoy oh yeah that for movie. sure. I mean I won't deny yeah. like getting mad goosebumps watching like all of episode three. Yeah, um, I feel like it's three, actually the, the, the whole thing with that. And this is I guess the kind of unfortunate thing, Alex, is that like I mean you and and people younger than you will never experience this, <laughs> but like as a kid growing up, like you knew how. Like, okay, Anakin was a dude, something real bad happened to him, and then he became Darth Vader, and you knew Obi-Wan was involved, and that was it. So then it's just, like, seeing that come to life, and at least for me, like, they did it justice. They did, like, what I had heard, because I heard it was like, oh, it's on a lava planet, too? That's where all this went down? All right. And, like, episode three delivered on that. So, still had flaws, but it 
it didn't soil my childhood like a lot of people seem to claim the prequels right. did. Right. Yeah, I, I guess uh, it's my perspective is different because I didn't care about the prequels until I watched all six movies in a chunk this year. Yeah. It's four, five, six, one, two, three. So I, I, I had that uh, perspective of wow, these are two wildly differently made trilogies. You that... should have watched it like the chainsaw way, because um, what it's like four, five, two, three, six. I think that's that's the way that like that like it was like it proposed like this is the proper viewing order and I think it actually kind of works. On any movie series that I'm catching up on, is do it in release order and you'll never be doing it completely wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's anyway, fair. I'm probably gonna get Duck Hunt. Um, I mean, I just I I really enjoy that game and it is the kind of thing that like when I got some buddies over. It'll be like, hey guys, we can play Duck Hunt right now. We'll probably do it because Duck Hunt's fun. It's not like I mean, if you're looking for a deep experience, like you ain't getting it in Duck Hunt. Sorry. <laughs> um, I have a I have a quick update. Uh, our our uh, fellow staff member and uh, just all around great person, Don Koopman, uh, tweeted me to let me know that he's played Shantae now on the Wii U, and it actually doesn't look very sharp compared to the 3DS version. So he says he prefers the 3DS version. So uh, I guess the 3DS, uh, Wii U version isn't like a crazy up-resed, high-def uh, version of Shantae. So that's a bummer. There you go. Excellent. Uh, next up, Mario Party Advance on the Wii U Virtual Console, the Game Boy Advance game. I did not play this, and I barely remember the fact that there was a Mario Party Advance. I only remember the trading card game, which we talked about before. Oh, uh, dude, the e-reader game is so fucking good. It's very, very good. Uh, did, have any of you guys played the Advance game, or at the very least are planning on uh, getting this one? Um, you know, I can't really like remember it specifically, but I had to have, because I, I, I've played like every oh, wow. Mario Party game. We don't even I know... have a review of it on the website. We do or don't? We don't. Oh wow, that's remedy weird. that. But uh, no, I don't. I can't remember it. I remember like Mario Party DS uh, more, but I'm sure I played the advanced version. Like I was all about Mario Party. So I think, and I'm probably wildly wrong with this because I know that DS really played up the multiplayer part. Like there were a lot of re- like I remember playing that. I think at a PAX East or something, um, the DS one because it just had a lot of fun like eight player games you could do with download play. Yeah. Um. But I think Mario Party Advance tried to, like, make this really strong single-player Mario Party game. Because, um, like, I think there, there was multiplayer stuff. You could use link cables and all that jazz. It might have even been something that used a wireless thing that came out with Fire Red and Leaf Green. Um, but I think that Mario Party Advance, I think there's, like, something like there's quests in it that you can go on that kind of try to make more of a single-player game out of Mario Party Advance. And I have a feeling that I'm probably going to pick this up, like I said earlier, because I'm dumb. Um, <laughs> I'm just really... I've always been kind of curious about the portable Mario Party games, because I, I had fun the one time I played DS, and then was like, man, maybe I'll get that game, and it was always still pretty expensive. Yeah. And then I got Mario Party 3DS, and like that's just kind of a bad game. Oof. Is it really Is it really that oof? I mean, I still, it's, it's the same rule of, like, if you play a game in multiplayer with people that you like, it's probably not going to be that bad. Like, it was... Like, I... I played it locally a couple times and I had a good time, but it's it's not a great game. Yeah, the local local stuff's good. I the mini game selection to me just isn't as strong as yeah. other Mario Party games. And they there do, were a lot a, of really dumb mini games in the three. Yeah, games. and there's there's a handful of like gyroscope based mini games, which to me are like always a cardinal sin. Um, yeah. And the single player is 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 really really bad. Um, yeah. But no, the the multiplayer, I mean, you know, it's it's fair, it's fine. 
Um, there's the one pass cool, was cool. Yeah, and there's okay. one cool mood, mode that I like um, where you're actually playing like on a Bowser stage, and the point, like Bowser's at the end, so the point is actually to like roll as low of a number as possible versus like <laughs> as high a number. Um, so it's kind of cool. You're like trying to like just go as slow as possible as you can around the around the uh, the board because you don't want to reach Bowser at the end. So that was kind of a nice little change up, but. Yeah. All right. So uh, next up, we got Super Mario World Super Mario Advance 2, which means that there is now two versions of Super Mario World on the Wii U eShop. I am <laughs> guessing that the GBA one. Well, I know for a fact the GBA one is better because it has uh, Mario Bros. attached in. It has some other side stuff, I think, and I think it looks slightly sharper. I think they might have pulled the uh, the Super All right. Mario from, Bros. From... Re- but I'm not 100 percent sure. From almost 13 years to the day, <laughs> okay. Michael T.Y.P. Cole gave Super Mario Advance 2 a 7.5 out of 10. His pros and cons, he said that there's an all-new Luigi with different attributes. That's pretty cool. Classic gameplay, mostly unhindered by the smaller screen, and new-slash-rearranged Yoshi coins in some levels. Um, the cons were minor scrolling and sound issues, mm-hmm. a rehashed Mario Brothers minigame, uh, Super Mario World is now somewhat easier and way too level for veterans to do. Okay. Um, yeah. But uh, uh, from what I, I was reading about the differences between this and Super Mario World, and unlike, like, I was reading, because uh, I actually played Super Mario Advance when it came out on Wii Virtual Console, because I never played that when it first came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that game's got some pretty significant differences, and I think that, like, in some ways... Uh, Super Mario Advance is the best version of Super Mario Brother 2. Whereas I feel like with Super Mario Advance 2, there's just nothing different about it outside of like, I don't know, we made them talk more. They uh, talk all the time and Luigi jumps to opening cutscene. And like, there's like, it, I mean, it, it, like a lot of the Super Mario Advance games, it does like a better job of just like tracking what you've done in the game. Like, it clearly displays how many exits you've gotten, you know, how many of the dragon coins you've gotten in levels and stuff like that. Well, yeah, that's the big thing, too. It makes the Dragon Coins more like collectibles versus just like, oh, yeah. if I see it, I'll grab it, and like, oh, if I happen to find the five, I'll get an extra life. This makes it like like you kind of want to get all of them, yeah. And then, yeah, it's and Luigi not- has his like has his flutter jump, so his jump is different than Mario's, but that's... Yeah, it's that's kind of like the beginning of the collect three coins in a stage stuff that we saw exactly. in Mario Brothers. Exactly, yeah. Were. And then the final game, and perhaps the most interesting one to me this week, Super Mario Bros. Deluxe for the Virtual Console on 3DS, the original Game Boy Color game that pretty much took the original Super Bros. and gave it like a semi-modern structure where it was saving like every four levels, I think. And uh, it, it made it like, it felt like a game with like a progression that you could beat, like, a semi-modern console game rather than Mario where you expected to beat it in one setting as it was originally, uh, in one sitting as it originally came out. Yeah, um, and uh, we actually have a review mini on this from back in February when it came out in Japan. Uh, Don Koopman wrote it. He gave it an 8 out of 10. He said it's still an enjoyable journey from beginning to end. Um, And this one actually has a lot of significant differences. Um, Well, at least, I guess, significant additions because I think that the main game is, is virtually unchanged. But then as you play that, I think uh, you have access to different modes. Like there's the ones where you can go through each stage and there's like a hidden red coin and a hidden Yoshi egg. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like some weird stuff where like you can do races against Boo. And uh, there's also like uh, there's a version of Super Mario Brothers, uh, the Lost Levels, that you can unlock. 
and I think there's another mode as well. But it seems like there's. I'm I'm definitely gonna pick this up. I borrowed this from a friend when I was younger, but I don't really remember too much about it. I don't think I got too far into it. If I remember correctly, back on Game Boy Color, it even had a uh, Game Boy printer uh, compatibility, and you could like print out little things that you found in the game. I might be making that up, but I'm almost positive that is true. Yeah, because so. I think there's a whole like. It was like a like a like History, a like maybe like even a, like a Smash Brothers esque trophy thing. Exactly. In it, yeah, I where think. you get like little like screenshots or like images. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure you could print those out on the Game Boy printer. Obviously, you can't do that now, but there you go. Excellent. And then there are also some sales on the eShop this week. There's a Lego sale up to 50% off Lego games. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Legend of Korra, and a bunch of games from Activision are on sale. Yeah, it's actually the the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game is the the Metroidvania from uh. Way forward. Way forward. That I've heard it's like it's not great, but I need to check out that sale because if it's if it's like under twenty bucks, I might pick it up because I really love the new turtle show, and yes. I'll like I'll play a mediocre Metroidvania with the turtles. Um, I'm cool with that. Poki Tour Two Plus, Swords and Soldiers, and more games from Two Tribes are on sale uh, until January eighth. And There's Swords a- and Soldiers is a mm-hmm. fantastic game, um, and I think it was already like two bucks on the Wii U eShop. Uh, so if that if that shit's a dollar and you haven't played that game, just go pick it up. There's a sequel coming out on the Wii U eShop, I think, early 2015. It might be spring, I don't know. They seem like they were far off uh, back. I think we talked to them around E3, maybe. Um, but, I mean, that, that game's a... It's an interesting, like, side-scrolling RTS. Um, like, it might not be for everyone, but if it's a dollar, like, just go get it. <laughs> So though there's the two tribes sale, there's uh, Stick It to the Man, Pure Chess, and more games from Ripstone on sale, Attack of the Friday Monsters, Tokyo Tale, Weapon Shop Diomase, and more games from Level 5 are on sale, and an unlisted sale that really should have been listed is that Resonance sale. Uh, some games, and they're doing a sale. I, I can't hear you, Alex. On the East uh, not at all. Can you hear me at all? Now you're back. Uh, you're yeah, back. It's just that yeah. every time you talk about what this unlisted sale is, you cut out. So I'm like, what is yeah, this? I have no idea what the sale is. <laughs> Renegade Kid. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Renegade Kid I'm, has I'm a sale. I'm probably going to pick up Moon Chronicles. I haven't done that yet, and it looks like the other episodes are going to come out soon. So. Well, and I don't know if you guys saw um, Johnny, who was tweeting today um, with Jules, and you have to have downloaded episode one of Moon Chronicles to have access to the other episodes. Not that I'd, yeah, I don't know why you wanted to do that. It's going to be his but. DLC. Yeah, but you, so you've had you have to download episode one, so it's on sale now. So now's the time to jump on. And then what was right, the other the other that you mentioned? It's was, uh, oh the, the the level five one. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, a lot of those games are awesome. Uh, Crimson Shroud, if you want a really interesting RPG, um, it's like kind of like D and D, but it has this weird story. It's by the dude who did like Tactics Ogre, and uh, oh god, what else did he do? Final Fantasy twelve, Final Fantasy Tactics. Um, it's a it's a really interesting game, and it's kind of this nice bite sized RPG. Although there's like one bullshit part where like <laughs> you need to get a random drop. That uh, if you're stuck, just look up because it's probably that bullshit part where you need a random drop. Um, <laughs> and what are some of the other good guild? I mean, Attack of the Friday Monsters is really neat. Uh, Liberation mm-hmm. Maidens, like this fun Star Fox esque game that's probably worth a cheap price. Yeah, from Suda Fifty One. Uh, Starship Damray is my personal favorite, though a lot of people aren't necessarily oh, I, the fondest. I might check that one out. I, I I was on the fence about that. I think you were the person that almost sold me on it, but then uh, there were a lot of people that were kind of naysaying it's it. Not, <laughs> yeah, maybe later. 
It's a it's an adventure game where you're in this spaceship. It's it's it kind of reminds me of Alien in the sense where it's abandoned and you're not sure why it's abandoned at first. Well, in Alien they knew why it was abandoned, but it has that same kind of feel. And you're going through going through this spaceship slowly, slowly, trying to figure out where everyone disappeared to. Is everyone alive? Is everyone dead? What happened on this ship? And it's a very uh, semi-classic adventure game in the sense that the game doesn't tell you a lot of what to do. You have to figure out a lot on your own. But it's not that hard to figure it out. You can beat it in about two and a half hours. And it has a super, super cool final twist that I really, really loved. Yeah, Uh, I might might pick that up. If it's cheap enough, I recommend it. I don't even know if it's on sale because it wasn't I think they're like I think they're like two ninety nine. I think okay. every single one of the guild games is on sale in this. Also Inazuma eleven is as well, and I know you love that game. I love Inazuma eleven. It uh, I, uh yeah, that's a I, great sports RPG in my I opinion. imported the original DS game expecting to be wowed, and then it turned out to be more RPG than sports. That's true. I, I kind of like I mean, I love arcades arcade soccer games especially are are my jam. And uh, playing this game, it was it was an RPG. It wasn't necessarily a soccer game, like it was uh, like there, yeah. was, there was a soccer theme. But it's it it's an RPG. I think you build up to the sports stuff a little. You have to fully. Uh, I'm not saying you didn't have a grasp or did have a grasp, but I mean, I feel like I feel like 15 hours into that damn game, I really the game's really like 20. Like it. It's but either way, it's uh it's super flashy and it's it's like it's kind of sports, but whatever. A lot of people love it. Some people like Neil dislike yeah. it. I recommend it. Whatever. Hopefully you enjoy it if you get it. Yeah. Uh, and that's Nintendo Download. Now, for our final main segment, we are going to be talking about our favorite Nintendo Christmas memories. Neil has some that I'm sure he is super excited to share. That is why of you course. should start. Okay. Um, so the scene is 2001. I'm 13, something like that. Uh, and I really wanted a Nintendo GameCube as any self-respecting Nintendo kid at the time. Um, and I did not know 100% of my parents had got one yet. Like, there's def- I mean, everyone has a Christmas where they know what their parents got them, and they're just like, I can't wait to like play that N64 or something. <laughs> uh, for me, I did not know 100%. Uh, <laughs> alongside this, I tried to convince my parents uh, to explain to them what a memory card was. They did not understand, <laughs> so I used my own money to buy myself a memory card and wrapped it up and put it underneath the Christmas tree to deal from me, because um, I was like, well, if I get one, I don't want to be screwed. Um, so I opened up all my presents. I got three games, um, including... I also got my memory card. Um, I got Smash Brothers Melee, Batman Vengeance, and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3. Mm. Um, two of those three games are probably my top two favorite games on GameCube. Um... Batman Vengeance, it's, it's okay. I mean, it's like Batman the Animated Series in a video game, so how can that be that bad? The cutscenes uh, were awesome. Yeah. Oh, I, 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 oh, God. Yeah, that was actually, strangely enough, that was probably the game that I played the most on Christmas <laughs> night, because I was just like, but it's Batman. Like, I want to see that. Like, I don't have anybody to play Smash Brothers with right now. Right. And, like, I, I think I played Tony, I think my, like, my brother was, like, going out with friends on Christmas night, and we were going to play Tony Hawk the next day or something. Um, but, uh, but I didn't have GameCube. So I'm like, oh, well, this sucks. Like, did I miss something? And then my parents played off being like, well, we couldn't get you one. Like, we'll get you one soon. I'm like, okay, like, this this kind of blows. <laughs> um, and then my dad's like, all right, we got one last gift. And, like, for each, my brother, my sister, and I, he, like, printed up, like, a, it was, like, like it, they even, like, I think my parents even, like, burned the paper a little bit to make it look like a treasure map. Um, but it was just, like, all these, like, weird directions 
that like took me downstairs to the basement where I had to like it was, it was like it was like avoid like the the rotting pit and like that's where the kitty litter was. Um, and like there was like a sump pump hole in my uh, my parents' basement that it was just like don't fall in the hole and then like turn here and then look up and then like he had like stuck the GameCube box like in the rafters of the their, their shitty old basement. Um, and it was just like it was that really I mean it's a very memorable thing like that's something that happened 13 years ago and. Like, I very much, like, I probably if I sat down to write out the directions that my dad gave me, or, like, if I went back to my parents' basement, I could be like, yeah, I went that way, then I turned there. Um, I could probably tell you exactly where that damn GameCube was. It was just really memorable, <laughs> which is what makes it, like, such a cool Christmas memory for me. Um, and then the other one's a, not a cool one. Um, I didn't know. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't crazy into Zelda when Ocarina of Time came out in 1998. Um, but then, like, I think it was, like, probably it might have been like right after thanksgiving early december or something i went to a sears with my mom and she i don't know did mom stuff and bought shit in sears um (laughs) and instead i went to the video game section and then proceeded to play through the first hour and a half of zelda ocarina of time because it was just like my mom was there for that like that damn long that like i just sat down i'm like what's this game and i'm like okay like I'm, i'm gonna go in this deku tree like went through like that entire fucking dungeon with the Hyrule Castle Town. Like I was so stoked. And then like on the way home, I'm like, Mom, I want to get this game. I want to get this game real bad. And then Christmas Day came around. I'm like, I'm gonna get Ocarina of Time, and I didn't get it because my parents oh. had already bought all the stuff for me by the time I decided I wanted this game. Yeah. Um, and I cried like a little shithead um, for like Christmas Day because that was the one thing I wanted, and I didn't get it. And like we got it. I ended up getting it like in like some after Christmas sale or something. But, like, it was something, like, I felt really bad because I, I was a little bitch about it. I mean, I was, like, 10, so, like, I can't fault myself that much. Um, but, like, a couple years ago, I mentioned it to my mom about, like, we were talking about Christmas when we were little, and I was just, like, there was that one time where I cried about it. My parents do not remember this at all. Oh, so wow. Like, so I thought they were, like, really carrying this guilt for, like, a decade. And, like, I mentioned it to him, like, what are you talking about? Like, you were fine. I'm, like, okay, cool. It was all in my head. Excellent. I will go next. Yeah, those it's, are my memorable <laughs> Christmas stories. It's and they, they sound memorable. It's especially the uh, the GameCube one. It's yeah, the, no, the GameCube the, one like and actually I found out how my parents got the GameCube, which was like someone at my dad's work like worked at Walmart uh, during like the like seasonal um, worked there part time, and they had talked to her like because I guess the GameCube was like not super hard to find, but still a little bit of a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um. They ended up, like, talking to her, and then she held one for them, and, like, my dad, like, went and picked it up after work. Um, so that's how they got it. That's cool. All right. Uh, so I, I only have, like, one story. It's the, there are really only two things memorable that ever happened related to video games, because most of my uh, childhood gifts were me receiving gift cards and money that I would later irresponsibly spend on my own video games. Oh, dude, like, that, that GameCube year, I bought, like, four GameCube games with all the, like, the money that I got from relatives and stuff, and, like, had no money. <laughs> I bought, bought Pikmin and Wave Race. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so there were two, actually, one small one, one bigger one. The small one was 2006, uh, I wanted the Wii more than anything else, and probably like many families in, uh, the world, there were a lot of situations of family trying to get a hold of a Wii, but being unsuccessful every single time. It's, so I, I ended up later getting the money to buy a Wii, which I didn't end up spending on a Wii because 
I still wasn't able to get one for the following 12 months. And then I ended up buying a used one from a friend for like $180. <laughs> so, so that's one notable one of, uh, and then the other notable one, my first from Santa being my bright green Game Boy Color and probably 1998, 1999, I would have been four or five years old, along with the first game I ever received being a magical Tetris challenge with Mickey Mouse, which <laughs> I have right here still. And this is the first game I, I ever got as a gift, and this is, like, this is the one relic from my childhood I still 100% have, and, and I keep it with like, like all my from uh, forever ago. And, and the, like the game... That probably started my love with Nintendo handhelds in general, not only because it was my first system, but because the Game Boy Color was fantastic to me. Uh, not only because this was a really good Tetris game, but because it had Pokemon Silver, Gold, and Crystal, which, to many people, is the best generation of Pokemon. It had games like uh, Mario Deluxe. It had a lot of really great Game Boy games that were backwards compatible, like the Mario Land games, and then there were the Wario Land games. And it's The original Game Boys were fantastic, and that's what probably started my love of uh, just portable gaming in general, because that was my first proper experience on a system I owned. And then later, I also got my GBA for Christmas with uh, Mario Advanced 1. But it's, yeah. uh, you know. No. Are you, are, are you done? I am. <laughs> um, that actually reminded me, uh, I got a Game Boy for Christmas when I was younger, and that was the first system that I had that was wholly my own. Um, I, like, my brother had a Genesis, and we shared that. Um, I think it was technically his Genesis, and then, like, he left it there when he moved out, and I just took it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I got the Brick Game Boy, and I got Donkey Kong 94 and Super Mario Land 2, which I still have those as well, not, not right with me. I didn't know this was show and tell. Um, but, uh, yeah, I got those two games for, for Christmas and went through so many damn batteries playing the hell out of those games. And on a later Christmas, I got the Game Boy Camera, which ties into a, a really somber note because, uh, I just took a bunch of pictures of my cats and that was also the first Christmas of, um, my parents' cat, or I mean my childhood cat, but now that I moved out, it was kind of my parents' cat. Uh, my parents' cat, Calvin, who actually passed away last month. Um, so that's kind of like weirdly circular that here, 15 years after that happened, where I got the Game Boy camera uh, and took pictures of that cat when he was a kitten. He's hmm. now passed away. Um, but now I need to get some Game Boy printer paper so I can print out those pictures. Because I, like, I had like all of my cats at the time I have and lovely monochromatic goodness and like <laughs> playing Game & Watch ball with their yeah. head. I mean, not their head as the ball. I mean, their head on the on the guy playing ball. Yeah, that's awesome. I that is really cool. I, I wonder just how expensive it is though to get a hold of uh, a Game Boy printer and paper, or I mean, if I still there's have some the alternative. Printer. I don't okay. know if the printer works. Okay. Um, I actually heard. I feel I forget who was. Oh no, it was someone at somebody that I knew at New York Comic Con that I ran into was telling me that there were people from. I think they were like freelancing for like C, maybe like CNN or something. I don't know. It was like some outlet that I had heard of, but like a news outlet. And they were actually going around and taking pictures. They had they had rigged Game Boy cameras up to like connect to their smartphone, um, or something along those lines. And they were taking pictures around New York Comic Con with Game Boy cameras That's and like awesome. the crappy Game Boy camera stuff. But like I think they were like trying to do like some kind of cool piece. I didn't I didn't look up to see if it ever like got published or something, but. 
that was pretty neat. Also, I think the printer paper is still kind of hard. I, I think the printer paper can be found, but it's not that cheap. Well, but I was going to say the printer paper, I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure I've heard that the printer paper, there's actually, like, people or a company or something, like, reproducing the printer paper. So oh. you don't have to buy, like, actual Nintendo printer paper because that would be super expensive as, like, a collector's item. But, like, yeah. there's, there's a company out there producing uh, faux uh, Game Boy printer paper that works just fine. So... Yeah, look yeah I need to make sure my printer works, too. Because I know, it's yeah. like, I still have it, but I haven't put batteries in that thing in 10 years. Scott? Uh, okay, so... For me, the, the most obvious one, and I've told the story before, and I've written about it, so I don't want to talk about it. it it's when I got my N64, uh, and, like, Are you the N64 kid? Yeah, basically. I, 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 short version, I, my grandma bought me the N64. I saw it ahead of time in her safe when she was opening it to get money to take us out to eat. She saw that I saw it, told me it was for my cousin Jenny, and then devastated me all the way until Christmas Day when she was like, no, I was just kidding, it's for you, and then gave it to me. So that's the short version of that story. I was so, I was so pissed for like three weeks uh, thinking my cousin, who didn't even play video games, was getting an N64, and I was like, Grandma, you idiot. She doesn't even want it. Um, but... The story I will go into, um, and I don't know why I wanted this game so much. I, I love StarCraft um, and played it religiously on PC as a kid. And as as we all know, or, or probably all of us know, there was an N64 uh, version oh, of StarCraft called StarCraft 64, um, which is, is fairly bad. Um, but it was sort of like famously delayed quite a bit. Um, it never really had like a concrete release date and became probably one of like the last N64 games. I mean, it yeah, had to come back in like the last 2000 year. or 2001. Yeah, so it was really late. And that was back in the day where it's like, you really couldn't get concrete release dates, so pretty much like every week I was calling GameStop to see if they got it in or if they knew like when it would be coming, and they kept just telling me like, well, we think it's next month, or we think it's, you know, here or there. So I, I told my mom constantly that that's the game I wanted, and I can't remember what Christmas this was. I mean, I guess probably... 99 I'm thinking so obviously it still had a ways to go before it was going to come out um but I kept telling her telling her and then finally uh Christmas came and I didn't know if it was out or not but in my stocking she had printed out a, a sheet of paper and on it she put um like uh IOU like one Starcraft 64 or something like that and basically told me like it wasn't out yet but when it came out whenever it came out uh she would buy it for me so that was pretty sweet. And then I did eventually get it, and it was fairly bad. I remember you had to have the expansion pack to play yep. uh, Brood Wars, which was a StarCraft expansion, which is so weird. You could play the whole regular like campaign, but to play the expansion campaign, you had to have the expansion pack, which is kind of funny. Um, and then there was one bonus mission, and I can't remember if they made it uh, canon or not, but it does actually have an extra mission that wasn't in the PC version of the game. And then there was also, like, a co-op campaign that you could play split-screen with someone um, that wasn't in the PC game. So that was pretty the cool. The co-op so, stuff, I remember, was pretty neat. Yeah, it, it did but work pretty well. It was one of those things where, like, it was impressive that they even got StarCraft to work on an N64, but it was still yes. like, oh, this is pretty dumb. Yeah, and I think it, they had to, like, like... when you would see stuff, like, on crappy old flip cell phones, and you'd be like, wow, they got that working, but I'm never going to play it there. Right, it was more novelty than anything, yeah. And like I said, I played the PC version religiously, so I don't know why I thought it would be cool to, like, take a step down, but I was just a kid and didn't know any better. Um, 
But yeah, and I think there were other like restrictions. Like I don't think you could have as many units produced as you could in the uh, the PC version, just because the N64 couldn't handle that much going on on the screen at once. I think it was like halved. I think you could only build up to 100 units instead of 200, and blah blah blah. But that game was bad. But I thought that was really sweet of my mom to even go through that effort. Um, if we have a second too, I do have a quick little Twitter stories from people I tweeted and asked them to oh, share sure. their Christmas stories. I just read to read a couple. Um, our own Zach Miller said that he got the original Batman for NES uh, for Christmas pretty much the year it came out from people he didn't even know, and it blew his mind. That is a dope-ass um, game. That is a good game. Uh, Rob Ford, not the Toronto disgraced mayor, the former mayor, um, but great Music friend man. of the show. Uh, he said uh, his dad got him, instead of the uh, arcade Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game for NES, his dad got him um, 720 Degrees, which I think was a really bad, like, skateboarding game for NES. Um, and he says, oh, wait, you said favorite memory, not most devastating. So I think that uh, ruined his uh, My parents got me Silver Surfer on the NES um, Oof, for one Christmas. I, there was a movie store that I used to go to to get games, um, and I think, like, they were clearing out all their old stock. <laughs> and this was around the time that my cousin, who had given me the NES, he gave me the NES, so this was probably like 94, 95, but they were clearing out all their old stock. And my parents got some good games, and they actually got like Tag and Dragon, which is one of those like horrible knockoff, like unlicensed games that mm. has like a light, like a fucking teal NES cartridge. Oh, um, glorious. And that, that game wasn't that good. Um, but they got me Silver Surfer, which I was so excited because I'm like, oh, it's a Marvel comic game. And that is one of the hardest damn games ever. Like, mm-hmm. at PAX East, they have tournaments of, like, can you beat the first level? <laughs> and, like, no one does it. <laughs> no. But it's just this yeah, punishingly hard shooter, but I kept on playing it, and I never got far. I think it beat the first level, like, once. Nice. Probably using Game Genie. Yeah, well, Game Genie, that, Game Genie was magical. I loved Game Genie. Yeah, that was, uh, that probably got me through many, many years of, of gaming. <laughs> of bad games. Yeah. Um... Peter Fingler wrote and said that he won an SNES in a contest, uh, but the letter he received uh, received mistakenly left out the word super, and so he was furious, thinking they were sending him a Nintendo Entertainment System for, like, the weeks or months, possibly, until he actually received his Super Nintendo. So there you go. I guess maybe he won it in, like, a Christmas contest. I'm not sure how it ties to Christmas, but there you go. Um, Wind Up Dog said he thinks it would be the year he got his Game Boy Advance SP and a copy of the original Pokemon Ruby. Um, so that was a very good Christmas like for him. Man oh, yeah, after, dude. Uh, Alex's heart. Yeah, you go. Yeah, man's got taste, or at least his parents do. You, you know what's that? <laughs> you know, I mean, that, speaking of parents' taste, like my parents got me Donkey Kong '94 and Super Mario Land 2 with my Game Boy. Like I have to commend my parents for the fact that they never bought me total crap. Yeah, that is actually um, pretty good. Outside of like Tag and Dragon, but they got that because it was like probably at the movie store. They're like, I don't know, man, like dollar per game. Yeah, good deal. <laughs> yeah. And, like, one time, like, my parents, like, family, and this was, like, this would have been, like, mid-90s, so, like, when it's not go to the store, Castlevania is a new game, but my parents got me the original Castlevania on NES, like, without, like, I didn't ask for it. They're just like, oh, yeah, we got you this game. I'm like, what, really? Like, I wanted that. I didn't verbalize it, but cool. <laughs> Um, and then the last one, uh, Drew Covert said he was 12 and he got the original Game Boy with Tetris and Super Mario Land for Christmas in 1989. Said he was hyped to hell and back because of Nintendo Power, um, which that was probably yeah. Nintendo Power's greatest feat, was just making us all like freak out for games and systems and everything like that. 
You know what game I freaked out about because of Nintendo Power? Star Wars Shadows of the Empire. Mm, yeah. That was uh, when I, I freaked out about like, that. I, like, go ahead. I like I didn't actually get it. I, like I think that was around when I first got a Nintendo Power subscription because I, I was. I mean, like I played a lot of games when I was younger, but like I mean, like my I had a Genesis growing up, so I didn't really get into Nintendo in a big bad way. Like I didn't own my own Nintendo thing until the Game Boy, and I didn't own a home console until NES. Um, so like while I had played a lot of like Mario and stuff at friends' houses, I didn't get into it until I got the NES and then the N64 like a year or two later. And then I got a subscription to Nintendo Power, and they're like, Star Wars Shadows of the Empire is amazing. And then uh, <laughs> and like they had the thing where like the backs like lined up and like were a stormtrooper or something, I forget. Yeah, yeah. That game I um for me, for Nintendo Power, I had, it was when I had my Super Nintendo, and they sent me something in the mail explaining how to do the ghost house trick in Super Mario World, where you unlock that secret area above it. Uh, you know, it's yeah, like in yeah. the second second world where you uh, and you can just always power up and get Yoshi and, and basically any power up you want. I got that like a little card in the mail explaining that, and then it was like, if you want more like great secrets like this, uh, get Nintendo Power, and then I convinced my mom, and then I probably had my subscription up until I was like a senior in in high school. I think I canceled it right before the Wii came out. So, yeah. That was my shit. So, all right. You're like, I don't want this kitty crap. (laughs) And that is our show for this week. Thank you to everyone who has watched, is watching, or will watch in the future because it is our last show of the year. I would like to also tell you guys to check out the great Game of the Year content on NintendoWorldReport.com. We have a lot of articles about a lot of great games, and we even have a video, at least one video, about the... uh, uh, the great games here. Yeah. Okay, just one video. It's a fan with quality of multiple videos put together. Yeah, it's, it's about a, it's about a, it's a 12-minute video that goes over our 10 favorite games of 2014, with talking from me, uh, Brian Rose, um, who else? John Raritan, and uh, Andrew Brown. I think that was, I think those are the four people who did who read stuff for it. I got to, I get to pretend to be Zach. Um, that, was, that was a personal highlight for me. Um, yeah. I think we could all benefit from a day of pretending to be Zach. Yeah, like it was weird. Like I, I went over to my wife and was just like, boobs, dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all should experience the freedom of living life as Zach, like at least for one day in our lives. <laughs> I love you, Zach. I hope you're watching. Too. We you. all do. Can't wait till PAX East. Hell yeah, way, man. Um, I guess, uh, yeah, a final note. Um, PAX East panel submissions were on Monday. We have uh, another Who Wants to Be a Nintendo Air submitted. Um, last year we didn't get it, but we did have it uh, the prior two years. So who knows if we will be returning to Boston. Oh, I mean, yeah. I'll still be in Boston um, regardless, but if we have a panel. Uh, there's also another secret panel um, that will involve uh, eShop developers. Mm. If that gets approved, you'll find out. Ooh. All right, cool. <laughs> and Bye. there you have it. Uh, <laughs> thank you to everyone who has watched, one, like I said. If you have anything you really liked, had anything you really disliked, be sure to tell us because we want to make this show the best show it can be. Thank you to Scott and Neil for joining me. Scott can be found on Twitter at OKSoda, OK and the word soda. Neil can be found at Enron10, N-R-O-N, the number 10. I can be found at Kulavia, at C-U-L-A-F-I-A. And that's our show. Merry Christmas, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. 
Don't forget to send your listener mail questions and your favorite Smash Brothers music to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com so we can feature them on an upcoming episode. And if you've got a moment, please rate and review the show on iTunes. It really helps get the word out. Thanks. Thanks.